Welcome back for another episode of Porn Brain Reboot. I'm Dr. Trish Lee. I will be your hostess on today's episode while I motivate you, inspire you, and especially empower you through action steps to leave pornography behind so you can get on purpose and rock out your best life. That's what we're here to do today. Okay, so what we are going to talk about in today's episode is how porn steals your motivation. I do not want your motivation stolen from you on a daily basis. So this is an important episode for you to tune into and have some takeaways and get back rocking out your best life. So we are going to talk about three things. Number one, where does motivation come from? What is motivation? What does it feel like? Where does it come from? Number two, the brain processes that are involved in motivation. There's three sub-processes. We're going to break each one of them down, and we're going to look at what you need to do to be able to bring your brain back online so that it's using these processes well, uh, because likely right now it's not. And then lastly, your brain tip strategy for this podcast on how you can get your motivation fired up and cranking again. Okay, so let's dig in. Number one, motivation. What is it? Where does it come from? Well, we know that at least when we conceptualize the idea of motivation, people say it all the time. You know, I wasn't feeling motivated today. Uh, you know, I've lost my motivation for life. Motivation is that feeling of getting up and being engaged in your life on a daily basis, getting up and being so jazzed up on the work that you have to do for the day, for the people you're going to spend your day with, for the activities that you're going to engage in. So motivation isn't fleeting. It shouldn't be fleeting because in the end, what we're talking about here on this podcast is creating a lifestyle that you enjoy so much that you don't need to escape into porn anymore. It's not about how you're going to stay away from porn. It's how you're going to be very intentional in establishing a life that no longer includes it. And where motivation fits in there is Every day, or at least most of them, you should be so on purpose that you feel motivated because we know that motivation feels like a fleeting emotion for most people, and especially for people who've developed a pornography habit. And it goes like this. Motivation, and I'm going to break down the brain processes in a second. Motivation is the feeling that you get that you want to work towards something that is going to lead towards a reward, towards the achievement of a goal, and hopefully both of them. It's goal-directed behavior, reward-seeking behavior, rolled into one and gives you this feeling of wanting to move towards the activities and the actions and the environments and the people who make you feel like that reward is going to be coming when that goal is achieved. I'll tell you what it doesn't involve is hitting an easy button and getting a dopamine flood into your brain that is so big that it fries out the D2 uh, dopamine receptors in your brain for the reward. That's not motivation. That's the easy button. Motivation involves processes that are much bigger than that. There's no easy button involved. So why does motivation decrease if you 
have built a pornography habit. I'm going to tell you why. Because motivation is being able to take those smaller steps towards the larger goal and being able to get small rewards that lead you to a bigger goal as you are taking the action steps moving towards your objectives and your goals. No easy button. So when you feel motivated to do something, small or big, then you are counting on the mechanism in your brain to lead you towards the reward and the goal. No easy button. You have to do something to be able to get your brain to produce the dopamine that's associated with the the reward. Now, let me back up to dopamine for a second because most people who come here have heard me talk about dopamine before, but I wanna characterize it in a little bit different way today. So I always talk about dopamine as the pleasure-seeking or the seemingly pleasure neurotransmitter in the brain because when we are talking about pornography consumption, What happens is when you go to the screen, your brain gets this flood of dopamine that it can't get anywhere else. So it gives you seeming pleasure because you're associating it with the screen and with what you're watching in your pornography or your pornographic habit. You are associating the pleasure with that feeling that the dopamine gives you. Now, dopamine actually is a motivation neurotransmitter. And when we think of it that way, it's the neurotransmitter that keeps you pleasure seeking towards porn because it's linked to porn. So the linking of the behavior and the dopamine flood is what creates the motivation, if you think of it this way, to go back for more and more pornography. They're linked together. Dopamine and the activity make it so that you will go back to that activity again, reward-seeking behavior. And we're going to talk about that. But basically, the takeaway for the first part is what is motivation and where does it come from? It comes from your brain and we're going to break it down. But what it feels like is I'm going to continue to go back to this activity because it gives me a reward and it's achieving a goal for me. That is what motivation is moving you towards. What it feels like internally is you're jazzed up to go do that thing. Okay, so what we ultimately are talking about here is getting motivated in your life because when you hit the easy button and you go back to porn, you are getting this dopamine flood without having to try or work for it which is the opposite of evolutionarily how our brains are developed. They're developed to work towards the goals and the rewards. So you are bypassing the system, basically, hitting the easy button and getting that dopamine flood. So then what happens is when you go into the world where you do have to work for it and you do have to try for it and you do have to set goals and you do have to find lower level rewards rewarding, it can't be done because your brain now knows how to hit the easy button and get the flood. And it's damaging your brain while you're doing it, but it knows easy button, dopamine flood. So when now you go to work and it's like, where's the easy button? There is no easy button. Now it's, I have to actually work at my desk for the next five hours to produce some small outcomes towards my big project. It becomes cortisol producing when you go to work, stress producing because there's not enough dopamine there, because you've trained your brain to take the neural pathways towards the easy button, and they no longer know how to use those synapses, those neural pathways. They do not know how to be used towards taking the small steps towards the big goal. 
Okay, so now let's move on to what's going on in your brain when that's happening. There are three processes that have been established or have been identified in maintaining motivation. So we're talking about maintaining motivation over the course of some small or longer time frame. And I'm talking about maintaining motivation across your lifetime, and we'll get there. But the three sub-processes are, number one, reward-driven approach. Being able to approach a project or an activity and being able to know that there is a reward on the other end of that activity. And again, we program our brains through what we do on a daily basis to learn where the rewards are and where they are not for each of us individually and singularly. So reward-driven approach is automatic. It's the most automatic of these three processes. Your brain learns where to go to get the reward and it in a healthy brain pattern, it learns I have to do small amounts of work each day and then I achieve my bigger goals at work. Or if I'm going to build a pool in my backyard, every day I have to go out there and do something and eventually there will be a pool there. So it's taking small steps and actions towards a larger goal. The small steps become rewarding and the big end goal is rewarding also. So that is reward-driven approach. Our brain learns where it's going to go for the reward. Number two is value-based decision-making. Now there needs to be more cognitive control over the second part. And it's thinking about and constantly analyzing where the value is in the action steps that you take towards the reward that your brain is seeking. So we all make these choices on a moment by moment basis. Um, and we train our brains every single day to be able to make these decisions. So for example, my brain's trained to get up and to feed my beautiful children. Uh, I make them organic, healthy breakfast every single day. I send all those beautiful kids out into the world to get on purpose in their own lives. But during that activity, I'm having fun. I've told you before, I crank up some light jazz in the morning, some tunes. Um, usually we're having fun, we're laughing, we're engaged. There's value in that for me because I've established it that I am going to have fun and get some dopamine from feeding my family, getting them out the door. And I feel satisfied after I've done that. But I will tell you, it's not always been that way because before I had the kids, I was programmed to get up and to work by myself. I loved it. It was my favorite time of the day, getting up and then being able to have three, four, five hours to get really into this deep think zone. But then when my kids came, I wasn't able to do that. I spent a few years being frustrated at the fact that I had to get up to babies that woke me up all the time and to be able to feed them right away until I changed the framework where I could see the value, value-based decision, decision-making in where the dopamine is. And this is what I'm talking about. The reason I'm telling you that is because I'm talking about creating a lifestyle that works for you. I will tell you now that my kids are a little older, I get up an hour and a half before they get up, usually about an hour and a half hour. And I have to get them up at six o'clock. So I get up early, but that is a decision that I make so I can have an hour to myself because I still do not like getting up and having to take care of other people immediately. The way I talk about it is I ease into my day. 
And if the hubs gets up with me and he's being loud and throws all the lights on and starts banging around, I'll be like, dude, you got to give me a few minutes to ease into my day before you start doing all that. Because I get up, I've got low lighting going. I have the books that I'm going to read. I have my meditation practice. I have an hour of quietness to myself before I have to go wake the kids up. Very rewarding first hour of my day for myself in solitude. Not like it used to be, but it's beautiful. I've been doing it for a long time now. And then being able to have fun while I'm doing the thing that I have to do anyways. So it feels good to me though, because I've trained my brain to make that value-based decision there. That's where I choose to go for lower levels of dopamine. And it feels good when everybody's gone. I feel great about it. Then I can go do my work for a couple hours. I feel great about that. What we're talking about is value-based decision-making to get you into flow state, that ideal brain state across your days, which means if you do it across your days, you can do it across your life. Because I will tell you on Saturday mornings, I don't get up early. I deliberately sleep in late. And yes, late is 7.30 a.m., but when it, you know, when your life shifts and it becomes where 7.30 a.m. is late, it still feels great because I'll lay around and if in the hubs and I'll hang out, if we're just laying around and it's eight o'clock, eight thirty, it's like the best thing ever because on Saturdays, value-based decision making says I get to chill because I worked hard all week, taking care of other people, taking care of my business, self-care. I get to chill on Saturday morning. Value-based decision making. Now the reason I'm telling you this is because we need to use that. And it it requires deliberate, intentional, purposeful action, which is why I always say get on purpose in your life. And we're going to continue talking about this in the brain tip at the end. Let's move on to the third brain process before I keep going there. The third brain process is goal-directed control. Now, I loved this one. I saw it in the study and they use the word control, which of course is has to do with neuromechanisms and brain functioning. But you know, I always say control your brain or it will control you. That is the truth. And especially when we talk about a compulsive behavior like watching pornography, it's literally controlling you. It's making you go back to the screen for that dopamine hit so that you can feel good enough to get through another couple hours or another day of your life. That's no way to live. Having to go back to the screen so you can get a dopamine flood to get through what is has become a cortisol producing life. That is not how I want you to survive for the rest of your life. I want you to leave the screen behind, get on purpose, create goals in your life, and exercise that control of your brain in goal-directed control. So to have goal-directed control, guess what you have to have? You guessed it. You have to have goals. You don't know where you're going until you establish a destination. So before you leave here today, I want you to set one goal in your life, and it doesn't have to be to set to create world peace or solve world hunger. It can be a small goal, but a goal all the same. And then I want you to take an action step towards that goal so that you tell yourself, I'm the kind of guy that sets goals and moves towards them. Goal-directed control. That's how we're going to bring your brain back and get it back on track and start rewiring it towards flow state, that optimal brain state where you get to feel great, calm and focused all the time while you're rocking out your best life, having a ton of fun with the people that you love on purpose and your hobbies. 
for real. You can have that. I feel a need these days to tell people you can have that. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter what you want to do, and even if you want to stay home and be a stay-at-home parent, which is obviously one of the most noble causes because I spend the majority of my life doing it, that is where it, where the spice of life is. If that's what you choose, that can be goal-directed like I just shared with you. I make the goal of making a healthy breakfast for my kids and have fun doing it and get my family having some nice time together before we all leave for the day. That's a goal and I achieve it all the time. I daily, I literally achieve it daily. It's a beautiful thing. You can make a goal no matter what you are, no matter what you do and no matter where you are. So I want you to know that you can do this. Okay, so goal-directed control because then you have to control your brain to move towards that goal to associate it with the reward-driven approach. These three mechanisms can be intertwined and integrated so that as you move towards your goals, you're also getting the rewards that you want. So when I talk about getting on purpose in your life, I want you to think about your job. Think about, do you like your job? If there's aspects you don't like, can you farm some of them out to other people? Can you change the way you use your time so that you are facilitating the parts you don't love the most? Can you do the parts that you like the most earliest so you get this boost of motivation early on? You can think about what you're doing with your time in terms of your work, and you can use your time better to feel like you are getting rewards out of it while you move towards your goal constantly making that value-based decision, but winning in your life so that you don't want to go back into the screen. The value has to be in your work, in your relationships. So we talked about work there for a minute. In your relationships, you have to have, first of all, in your partnership, if you are married and you have a spouse or if you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you must have healthy sexuality, which likely you don't have right now if you have found yourself in a hypersexual uh, mode and if you're consuming pornography, it ruins real sex. It destroys relationships. We know this in the dynamics and especially when it comes to sexuality in the bedroom, it literally trashes things for couples. So we are going to, in the near future, talk about how to establish healthy sexuality after being in a hypersexual mode. So we're going to be discussing that. I'm going to give you some actual action steps and tools there that you can use. And actually, I have some really amazing guests already planned to join me on this podcast. Authors in this exact school of thought on how you can establish healthy sexuality. We're going to be doing it in September so that you can bring your brain back on track and that you can bring your relationships back on track because you need physical intimacy, which includes sexuality. Um, I saw a comment on YouTube, which I'm going to have to refrain from answering because someone's like, uh, Dr. Trish, do you, does that mean you don't watch porn and you don't do anything fun and exciting in your marriage? No, it doesn't mean that. It means I definitely don't watch porn because why would I damage my own brain and then come on here and tell you all not to damage yours? Um, clearly, that's not a healthy thing to do for brains, and I want everybody to stop watching porn. Um, but does that mean you can't have fun sexuality in your relationship? No, they're two different things. They're the opposite, but it doesn't mean that 
healthy sexuality isn't fun. It means it doesn't include, include pornography and um, the way that you're thinking about sex right now. So we're going to cross that bridge in about a month together, but just know if you have been sleeping in a separate bedroom for 10 years, that needs to be resolved. And you've heard me talk before that when you have these things going on in your life, you have to develop the emotional maturity to be able to move towards them and solve them. Because if not, it will keep pushing you back into the screen for some sexual release or sexual um, activity. Because if you can't have that in your relationship, it's basically pushing you back into the screen. So you have to develop physical intimacy, all different types of intimacies with your partner so that you can have healthy sexuality and your relationship should feed you, not steal from you. And partially that's going to be your job to become more emotionally mature, be able to handle discussions and conversations, change your interactional style and your communication style so that you can communicate with each other about your needs and desires and just in a healthier way where you're maybe you're not talking over each other. Maybe you're learning to um, listen more. Maybe you're learning not to offer so many things people should do. You know, it, it varies, but learning to communicate and interact better is very important, but your relationship should feed you. So again, in this podcast, I encourage you to look across your main relationships, see if they feed your soul. If they don't, figure out why they don't, what's going on in them that they are not healthy for you. Sometimes it's parents who are impacting you in a negative way still. It can be spouses who are too controlling. And some of that behavior might be coming from porn use because we know that porn use creates anxious attachment in partners. So some of that feeling like they need to control you is because they know that inherently they might not totally know, but in their mind and their brains, they know that something's going on and it's making them feel like they need to control you. So there's some healing there that needs to be done in relationships if they're not feeding you. When it comes to a healthy partnership, there should be two healthy people in it. Two healthy people don't need to take from their partners. They can only give or share. They don't need to take, give or share. And when you're giving and sharing, then it extends itself. And that's that positive ripple effect that we're talking about. So that is why you want to make sure your relationships feed you and that they're positive and they're healthy with your friends, with your family, with your uh, employer or your employees. They should all feel good to you. And if not, figure out why and you can go to work on that. And then lastly, your hobbies. I don't, if I had a dollar for every time somebody told me that they never do the hobbies that they like, then I would be a rich woman because people are uh, grinding it out these days into exhaustion, which puts their brain in a hyper aroused state, which needs to be put into a hypo aroused state very quickly at the end of the day, which is where pornography comes into play. We know that people are using their brains too much and they're not balancing their lives between work and play. Work, play, rest, repeat. Work, play, rest, repeat. That is what life should be about. Not just work, 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 repeat. It shouldn't be, I'm going to work myself to death and then die, right? And if you're doing that, if you're just working and you aren't enjoying yourself and you can't chill out and your brain's in this hyper aroused state and you can't stop thinking and there's rumination and there's stress and there's overwhelm, then your brain needs to come down. It needs more play and rest. 
So if you just think about it, we want your time filled with brain-boosting activities, hobbies that feed you. So think about what you most enjoy doing and then make a plan to actually do it this weekend. And when you make a plan to get out in the world and engage with it, then you don't want to spend your time stuck in the screen looking for dopamine. You want to be in the world getting dopamine there. Reward-driven approach. You have to send your brain in the direction of the reward. So let's get it back to motivation. Motivation isn't going to come by itself. Motivation is a compilation of these three processes, teaching your brain where the reward is. Right now, it's been taught a very bad lesson. It's been taught that the reward's in the easy button, that it doesn't have to work for at all, and it gets this dopamine flood. That's what it's learned. You have to teach it. Rewards are in my life, in my work, in my people, and in my hobbies. That's going to be your main job. Value, value-based decision-making. Your brain's constantly going to be scanning those things to see if the value is there. You have to make the value there. Make sure you're finding the value. And I'm going to tell you how in a second. I've probably told you before, but I'm going to tell you one more thing. Value, value, value. Make sure it's finding the value and remembering where the value is. When you remind your brain, the values in my work, the values in my hobbies, the values in the activities I like to do, the values in hanging out with people, that's where it's going to go. And then lastly, goal-directed control. Set some goals. Set the goal in. You should set a goal in all three of those if I would encourage you to. I try not to tell people what they should do, should do right? <clears throat> I encourage you to set a goal in your work. I encourage you to set a goal in your relationships, get date night going, um, get more intimacy going with your partner. If you haven't been sexual, start being sexual, start, right? It, it might not be uh, fantastic if you have developed erectile dysfunction, especially, which so many people I work with have. Uh, it's in the trying where it will get better, just so you know. And if you teach your brain intimacy plus sexuality is where it's at, it's going to take a little while, but you're going to start teaching it in the right direction. And then in your hobbies, set a goal in your hobbies, set a goal and make an action step to reach it. Okay. So we're going to move on to your brain tip. What can you do to get yourself motivated? Because it is these three processes. Motivation feels like a fleeting emotion. So let's not count on it as such. Let's establish commitment and vigilance and discipline and resilience. Approach this as a journey, not an event. So you have to get 100% committed to leaving pornography behind and you have to develop a pivot plan. What are you going to do instead? You might have to put up some fences. How am I going to stay away? You might have to get an accountability partner. Who's going to help me on this? Set up yourself for success with commitment. You have a goal. There it is. Goal-directed behavior. I'm going to stop watching porn. I'm going to stop teaching my brain the rewards in the screen. I'm going to start teaching my brain the reward is in real life. And you're going, you're going to follow through on that commitment through discipline. So discipline is you're going to make your goals. You're going to set those three goals, one in each area. Then you're going to schedule time for them in your life across the next week. So what you're going to do is, if you want to start biking more, in your schedule, you're going to put four different times where you're going to go for a bike ride. And I've told you this before about paddle boarding, and I mentioned it on the last podcast. 
that I never went paddle boarding last summer at all. Not one time. My boards collected dust. And that made me feel terrible because I am a person who's trying to live a balanced life, but it got away from me. But I will tell you, I did go to the pool every day last year. And I'm thinking this year, I'm like, I haven't brought my daughter to the pool once. Actually, we went twice, but uh, we were hitting the pool every day last year. So, you know, I've reconciled it in that way. But I never took the boards out. So I made a goal this year that I'm taking the boards out every Wednesday and I've done it. I've done it every Wednesday. Uh, Sertia and I have hit the lake. Oh my gosh. It was so serene. It was amazing. Like just so calm and quiet out in nature. There's birds, nests everywhere. So cool. It's a lake that's not developed. So it's just, just beautiful. And there was no one there yesterday. It was really fun. And of course we do weird stuff and I've tried to make it so that, um, I never worked out yesterday when we went, so I tried to make it into a workout also where we do yoga on the boards, which is really fun, push-ups. Uh, I was doing sit-ups and like rolling off into the lake while I was doing uh, sit-ups. Super fun. She was doing it. I know it's just good, clean fun, but dopamine producing. It's cracking me up just thinking about it. I know it's not funny in the retail. And and then you know how like hopefully you have something like this in your life, but you know how something develops and you could never have it develop another time. Anytime she would talk to me, I would sing back some song verse. It just ended up happening. And so then, of course, I made a game out of it once I started to do it five times or so. Anything she said, I would sing a song verse back as my answer. And we end up doing it for like an hour. It was really fun. <laughs> a lot of times it's movie quotes, but this time it was song verses. But we had a really good time. Um fun, right? Dopamine producing, like just, oh, so chill. Plus I got a little exercise. Plus, you know, we made this silly song verse game and with, with one of my favorite people in the world, she's the coolest kid in the world to be able to spend time with. Uh, but you know, and then I balance that with time with my friends, time with my other kids, time with my honey. Think about your people, spend time with them. It's going to produce the dopamine value-based decision-making, then schedule it, get it in your schedule, do it for your relationships, your work and your hobbies. And it's going to be a game changer, but you're not going to count on yourself to be motivated to do it. Cause in all honesty, I was not motivated to go boarding yesterday. I had committed to it. I committed to the weekly boarding session. It's scheduled in my schedule. And I I was on purpose in my work. I was jamming out some good work yesterday. I wanted to stay there and just stay in my office and keep working. But I didn't because I told myself, you're doing this every week. And if the, the day went by and I didn't do it, I would have been disappointed in myself. And so forced myself into the car and it was great. We had a great time. So don't count on the motivation, count on the discipline to get this motivational process going for you. Then you have to stay vigilant. You can't let that break down. So I'm on week four of the stand, the stand up paddle boarding. This is when the vigilance will start to break down because I've done it four times, but I still have like four more weeks of summer. Uh, and you know, um, this is where it'll start to unravel. Vigilance. I have to make sure it's scheduled in next week and I have to make sure I force myself to get those boards and put them in the back of my truck so that we can cruise on over. Vigilance. I have to put it in my schedule and keep it there and protect it because this is how you will succeed in your porn brain reboot. You don't have to stay vigilant about not watching porn. What you have to stay vigilant for is keeping the lifestyle that you've created. And I've ebbed and flowed through it and in and out of it many times in my life. And I'm ebbing back into the balanced lifestyle because I let myself get unbalanced with too many consultations and too many coaching calls, 
too many appointments running here, there, and everywhere, things breaking down in my ability to do things for my kids and my ability to do my hobbies and ability to spend time with the people that I love. So I had to bring, reel that back in and stay vigilant and go, okay, these are the things that have to come off the plate so that I can keep the balanced life. So I have to protect the life that I've spent all these years setting up. And then when I accidentally self-sabotage myself, and usually it's for good reasons because I'm excited about work or I'm excited to do something, I have to keep myself in check so that I don't put myself in this hyper-aroused state, which then will need to do something to take the edge off. You have to protect this lifestyle. Vigilance for the lifestyle that doesn't need porn, and then you won't have to worry about it. So that's how you're going to maintain your motivation. Now you know how to do it. So you're going to set up the rewards in your life. You're going to make some goals that give you the rewards, and you're going to constantly keep the value in the real world. Now I will tell you, it might be tricky at first because your brain is used to going back to the easy button. You're going to make your pivot plan so you don't have to go back there so you can maintain motivation and it's going to be awesome. Uh, okay, that's what I have for you today. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. Truly, I am here to help you leave pornography behind so that you can be the change in your own life and you can help heal your brain get on purpose in all those aspects of your life, it literally will be a game changer for you. And in changing your brain and improving your life, you're going to improve all the lives around you, your partners, your children, your friends, the positive ripple effect of change. We're going to heal the world together one brain at a time. And I'm glad that you're here helping me do it because it starts with you. And that's the most important thing. Uh, okay. Thanks for joining me. And as always, remember, control your brain or it'll control you.